Hello everyone, my name is Achit Nair, and I'm the host of Done Simply. And to put simply, the world isn't doing that great right now. Uh, because right now, Russia is doing what they've been talking, talking about months ago, invading Ukraine. Today's episode will cover multiple layers behind this conflict. Note, this episode is not advocating for any side of the conflict, but rather instead for solely providing factual information regarding this conflict and how you can save innocent lives. Is some history. After World War II, the Allies, including the UK, US, France, and USSR, decided that to ensure that Europe isn't a breeding ground for conflict, it split Europe between the UK, US, USSR, and France, officially called the Helsinki Records. As such, the majority of Eastern Europe was under the influence of the UK or US, while the majority of the Eastern Europe's were uh, Eastern Europe was under the influence of the USSR. However, the USSR, fearing the spread of Western capitalism and political means, used these Eastern European states as bloc states, um, blocking American ideals as such. This mentality essentially was a very confusing one in which they said, technically these nations are USSR, but they're bloc states, so they can't do anything that contradicts the USSR, and we don't have to improve them because they're only states that we need to block the US with. This put the majority of the USSR, including now what is Ukraine, under economic struggle and with no chance to grow. Unlike their Western counterparts, Eastern Europe felt economic struggle and political uh, oppression for years after World War II. However, after the fall of the USSR in 1991, majority of these Soviet states became country. Ukraine themselves declared their independence in December 1991. In 1997, Russia, which is basically what was left between of the USSR, and Ukraine signed a treaty called the Treaty on Friendship, Cooperation, Partnership between the Ukraine and the uh, Russian Federation. To put simply, this treaty put down three main clauses that aim to improve the strategic partnership, including one, improving strategic par partnership through joint military exercises, two, not to invade each other's lands, and three, territory integrity. With that, many of the Ukrainians finally believed that they were ready for a new start. Unfortunately, politics didn't see it as that. the 2000s, there were a lot of disputes and conflicts, all pretty important. Here's a brief rundown of them. In 2000s, a Ukraine shot down a Russian airliner, and Russia did some manipulation on their elections, like you do. And in 2002, Russia helped Ukraine construct two nuclear reactors. This was a sign of peace, and people actually thought it was a pretty good deal for the Russians. In 2003, Russia tried to create a single economic space with Ukraine. And for people who don't understand that concept, a single economic space is simply a simple bubble for two different nations to trade freely without any uh, any constraints or any extra costs. It's just a free bubble, to, so to speak. And Russia has been showing a lot of interest in it because Ukraine had a lot of natural resources and still has it to this day. And Ukraine knew that and the president at the time, Yukoshenko, said no, which was a pretty good deal because Russia most likely would have exploded that. And then in 2009, the gas wars occurred. And this was not the first instance or the last instance of it. Basically, it was a conflict between Russia and Ukraine regarding who owns pipelines or resources to the land. And after these small conflicts and skirmishes came the much more serious problem of the annexation of Crimea and the Russo-Ukrainian War. So here's some context. Crimea was an autonomous republic that declared independence from the USSR around the same time Ukraine did. It has a huge Russian ethnicity comprising around 60 to 70% uh, ethnic Russians. 
and Russia surprisingly used this as grounds to take over or occupy Crimea because Crimea is facing such a devastating problem and the majority of Russians being living in there, it's one thing that the Russia has to look for, its own ethnicity. But there was one major issue with this ground of detail. It was made the fact that Crimean Peninsula was right next to Ukraine, which means that it violates the Friendship Treaty's third clause of territory integrity. This started the Revolution of Dignity, which was basically a fight between Russia um, and Russia versus Crimea and Ukraine, which uh, again violated the Friendship Treaty, and it actually largely coincided and influenced the Russo-Ukrainian War, um, also known as the War in Donbass. This happened in 2013 when Russian separatists were trying to declare the Donbass region, which is in Ukraine, as a part of Russia because it had a large Russian majority who wanted to be part of Russia. And this again violates the Friendship Treaty because it's simply not territorial territorial integrity. And as such, the Russo War in 2014 was particularly devastating as it introduced new modern warfare such as cyber weapons and hacking, which destroyed Ukrainian intelligence and government sites. All these wars and conflicts have led to thousands of casualties on both sides. It showed how bendable the Friendship Treaty was and how there was actually no good intention between Russia and Ukraine in the past 5 or 10 years. Unfortunately, this friendship treaty was reveal, um, repealed in 2018. Although this might seem like a good thing, the issue is now Russia and Ukraine didn't have any legislation or any treaties that particularly coincided with territorial in- integrity. It was better to have something that wasn't working as opposed to something that isn't even there. So why did Russia attack now? This answer depends on who you ask. The main factor was Russia was not feeling safe against modern Ukraine. And I want to think, I just want to think over that. How could that even be? Russia is the stronger and bigger nation, and they're afraid of a nation that's like one third their size. And the answer actually comes through a four letter abbreviation, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And its main purpose is to guarantee the safety and freedom of its members by political and military means. So to put simply, they're the opposite of the UN who avoids war and rather advocates for peace, whereas the NATO fights to preserve peace. That's pretty interesting. But regardless, in August 2021, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, not Vladimir Putin, not to be confused with him, had expressed interests in joining NATO for protection against major threats, Kafkov Russia, and improving the military mights of the Ukrainians to prevent any other usurpations or more wars, Kafkov Russia. And as such, they're their proposition was so popular that the US and other Western European countries were ready to accept them in open arms. Obviously, Russia wouldn't have that. With NATO came a fresh cycle of troops and military equipment that would be right next to the Russian border. And this wasn't the first time it happened. During October 1962, when USSR gained information that NATO missiles were positioned in Turkey, which is almost 5,000 kilometers away from Russia, they completely flipped out. And they created the Cuban Missile Crisis, which would have caused nuclear extinction. And now, suddenly, they're going to comply with NATO setting missiles on its and uh, military equipment right on its border? As soon as the NATO proposition was suggested, the Ukrainian intelligence revealed Russian soldiers were being stationed near the border. And for almost six months, that was the new norm. Russia sending troops there, Ukraine tried to send more troops there to contest it, and that was happening for six months. Until Russia struck. They sent out helicopters, tanks, and foot soldiers to march into Donbass to quote, liberate the separatists. And from there, they steamrolled into the countryside and even fought in Chernobyl, which I don't even understand. That place is just bad luck. 
Why would they even go there? But regardless, they were pretty successful and they got to 14 kilometers of Kiev, the capital. From there, they were met with heavy opposition of the Ukrainians along with Zelensky themselves. But where were the rest of the nations during this time? And that's where you could see Russia has actually developed this plan for quite some time. And that's because, uh, that's because they have complete energy dominance in the Western European sector. What does that even mean? Right now, they control all the pipelines that provide energy or oil to these Western European nations, meaning that these Western European nations reacted militarily or went against Russia's uh, intentions, they would lose their oil privileges. And that was so important. But instead of reacting militarily, many people, including President Biden, have released announcements regarding sanction in Putin's top circle. It's not clear to say what the effects of these political sanctions have on the Putin's top circle, but it's safe to say that the economic sanctions introduced by them are very much working. The main one, um, although technically not a sanction, is the fact that Russia was kicked out of the SWIFT international currency exchange. To put simply, SWIFT is a system that accurately determines the worth of a currency or over a foreign currency. If you're not in the system, there's no accurate representation, and that means inflation was to occur. Inflation or crashes were to occur. By kicking Russia out of the system, they experienced a 5% crash in GDP, which was completely devastating for their economy and price of living. For younger listeners, right now, the Russian currency, the ruble, is less valuable than a single Robux, which is a currency of Roblox. For older listeners, the Great Depression was mainly caused through a 2% crash in GDP. And that, but even then, the US was the main runner in the, um, in the GDP game. If a 5% crash were to happen, even on Russians, it would certainly destroy them. But sadly, the fighting is still continuing. And here's what you can do. First, spread this video to others. Information is the absolute key to understand topics and make the best actions. Second, donate to humanitarian organizations such as Red Cross and the UN that can aid injured soldiers from both sides of this conflict. Third, Prevent these conflicts from entering your communities. Although discussion of it is loud, do not support one side or the other, or do not glorify it. War is bad, end of story. You cannot glorify it, do not make memes about it, and do not joke about killing. It is a cruel thing to take someone's life. And please, please be sensible for the rest of the people who are laying down their arms just to fight for their freedom.